these last several weeks, I've been sharing about living a life of greatness. It seems a person has their own definition of what greatness is and what greatness would look like. And I wondered, how does the world define greatness? One way the world defines greatness is by a person's talent and, and their abilities that they have. In 2015, a 21-year-old from Dallas named Jordan Spieth won the Masters when most of his peers were still in college. And now, three short, short years later, he's ranked as the sixth best golfer in the world. And currently this morning, he's tied for the first in the Open. That's not too bad. That's pretty great, right? Others define greatness by their accomplishments. I remember when, when smartphones came out, and I thought, why do I need one of those? I have my nice big flip phone, right? Why do I need one of these? Why do I need to text when I can just call somebody and talk to them, right? Now it seems like I can't do without texting. I'd rather text anybody than just talk to them, right? It's so much simpler. It's so much easier, right? Well, what Steve Jobs did in building Apple, even to the point where where many business experts think that Apple may be the first trillion-dollar company in American history. What Steve Jobs did was amazing. He, he start, what he started was pretty phenomenal. Others define greatness by a person's historical accomplishments. People like George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, Alexander Graham Bell or Thomas Edison. Right? These individuals, just to name a few, had, had a monumental impact in, in American history. Others think that greatness is really all about power, and when you think about the most powerful person in all the world, our, our thoughts kind of turn to the President of the United States, right? Similarly, some people define greatness by how quickly someone can climb the ladder of a large corporation or who has the biggest staff or, or the most prestigious title in the office or, or who even makes the most money. Even right now, there's a crowdfunding attempt to help Kylie Jenner to become the youngest self-made billionaire. These individuals made a name for themselves because of whether it's their amazing talent or great ideas that they had, their leadership skills, or, or even their great wealth, they achieved a level of success or have acquired a level of greatness to which some of us may even aspire to. So when we look at all the different views that the world has about greatness and what does it really mean for you and me to live a life of greatness? What does that look like for us? As far as I know, none of us here are billionaires, and if you are, please continue to tithe. When we look at the Bible and what Jesus has to say about greatness, Jesus' concept of greatness is totally contrary to what the world sense of value is, what the world says greatness is. And there's many times where, where we can forget what it truly means to be great. 
When Jesus talked about being great, he didn't refer to an individual who, who achieved a, a great amount of wealth or, or had some kind of technological achievement. When Jesus spoke about greatness, when he talked about what greatness looked like, he talked about being a servant. And I think that you and I would, would be kind of astonished and, and, you know, we'd do a double take if we were working on the assembly line and all of a sudden the CEO came down and started to begin working side by side with us. We'd be a little astonished by that. We, we'd do a double take. We'd be like, am, am I in trouble here? What, what's going on, right? But when our boss demonstrates what it means to be a true servant, and when they come alongside us and help us, you know what? We begin to admire them, don't we? We look at them differently. Have you ever had a boss that cared so much about you that they cared about your success? They cared about who you were as a person or are as a person that maybe you didn't want to work for anybody else? To care and to show love to others is, is what greatness is all about. It all begins with serving God. See, when we passionately follow after Christ, our love for God will be expressed to others, and they'll see it. They'll see what true greatness is. And so this morning, I want to talk about how we can live, of great, live a life of greatness by improving our servants. So will you stand with me this morning out of honor of reading the Word of God? It's found in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. It says, Jesus called the apostles and said, you know that the rulers of nations have absolute power over people and their officials have absolute authority over people, but that's not the way it's going to be among you. Whoever wants to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wants to be most important among you will be your slave. It's the same way with the son of man. He didn't come so that others could serve him. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you love us. We thank you so much that your word reveals who you are. And God, as we read our text this morning, God, you didn't come to be served. You came to serve, to give your life as a ransom, to die for us. And God, you've called us to be servants, to live a life of servanthood. And so, God, I pray that this morning with just a simple conversation that, that we would understand what it looks like to be a servant. And, God, that we would improve our serve today. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As we look at our text this morning, Jesus says in, in verse 26 that whoever wants to be great among you will be your servant. It, it doesn't appear that Jesus has a problem with us becoming great. It doesn't appear that, that Jesus has no problem with that. The problem seems to be how we go about getting there. If you want to live a life of greatness, Jesus says that you need to have a heart of servanthood. In other words, the road to greatness in God's kingdom is paved with the role of being a servant. See, before, be, 
being famous with her ministry to the people in India. Mother Teresa is said to have made it her habit of cleaning toilets of the local hospital and leper colony. She wasn't going to wait until she was in charge to make an impact. She didn't aim her efforts at the powerful and influential, but at the weakest citizens. See, one of the wonderful things about servanthood is that it requires no, no special skill set, no special talents. You don't need to be coordinated. You just got to have a heart. In order to play sports, you need to be a little bit coordinated. You need to have special skills. You, you need to have a little bit of athletic ability. And, and maybe even a little extra height would help, right, when you're playing some sports, right? But when it comes to serving, right, when you come along and serve somebody, it requires no specific set of skills, no specific set of talents, to help somebody. See, of course, God does give each of us spiritual gifts, and, and he gives us a certain set of natural abilities that he, he wants us to use to help other people, to, to serve other people, to help them and, and benefit them. But it requires no special talent on our part to, to go and ho- open the door for somebody who's carrying packages. It, it requires no special talent or, or ability to, to go and pick up some trash that's flying around someone else's yard. It, or like Mother Teresa, it requires no special talent to clean toilets. And so this morning, I want to look at how we can improve our serve this morning. And I wrote this in your notes. When I serve, I consider others as more significant. And that's important for us. When, when we put others before ourselves, when, when I put someone before myself, I'm looking out for their interests. I'm looking out for them. And that's when I begin to improve my serve. One of the biggest keys to improving our serve is to, to seek to put others before ourselves. Unfortunately, we kind of live in a me-focused world where selfies reign supreme. And so what I wanted to do this morning, because I've never done it before and everyone else was doing it, is I just wanted to take a selfie with you guys. Those of you that are sitting uh, outside the, the picture, I'm sorry. But isn't it wonderful? I'm going to have this memory now for the rest of my life with you. More or less me, though, because I'm in the front of it, okay? Right? But don't we live? How many of you guys have taken a selfie this last week? Don't lie. You're in church. Right? We live in a me-focused world where selfies are just part of our culture. One of the most retweeted tweets ever came from Ellen DeGeneres during the Oscars with over 3.4 million retweets. It was a selfie of her and other stars. The Oxford Dictionary back in 2013 named selfie the word of the year. See, we become more self-obsessed in this social age. We live in a world where people overvalue themselves and they value self-promotion. When it really comes down to it, we're looking out for our own interests most of the time. Putting others first doesn't seem natural for us. We wonder why we're so unhappy, why we lack true joy in our lives. We're we're so wrapped up in ourselves. We get so caught up in our own world. 
that we lose the, the sight of the fact that God wants us to look out for other people. There's a story of, of Joanne Jones who was going through the nursing school and, and she learned the lesson of considering others as more significant while taking one of her tests. She writes this, During my second month of nursing school, our professor gave us a pop quiz. I was a conscientious student and it breezed through the questions until I read the last one. What is the first name of the woman who cleans the school? Surely this was some kind of joke, she writes. I'd seen the cleaning woman several times. She was tall, dark-haired, and in her 50s, but how would I know her name? I handed in my paper, leaving the last question blank. Before class ended, one student asked if the last question would count towards their grade. Absolutely, said the professor. In your careers, you will meet many people. All are significant. They deserve your attention and care, even if all you do is smile and say hello. I've never forgotten that lesson, she writes. I also learned that her name was Dorothy. What a powerful lesson of learning to consider others as more significant. See, we can get so caught up in our own world that we forget to consider others. And that's what Jesus demonstrated in, in the midst of the last evening as he's spending time with his disciples. He's about to be betrayed and crucified, and, and Jesus focuses on the needs of his disciples and demonstrates his love and concern for them by getting up and washing their feet. And a question that we need to ask ourselves today is, am I looking out for myself or am I looking out for others because I consider others as more significant? Am I more focused on me? Am I living in that me world, that selfie world? Or am I focusing on others? See, God gives each person a, a spiritual gift when we commit our lives to, to Christ. And those gifts are given to us so that we can help others, so that we can serve them. When we use our own unique giftings and talents to serve others, our lives will begin to take on significance and our actions will be life-impacting, not just for the person that we serve, but also for ourselves. When we begin to look at others as more significant, we're going to make an impact in other people. In Philippians 2, 3, it says, don't do anything from selfish ambition or from a cheap desire to, to boast, but be humble toward one another always considering others better than yourself. And that's tough. Always consider others better than yourself. Selfishness is one of the most tragic results of sin. It isn't hard for me to be unselfish to those that I love, right? There's times I still am selfish when, when my wife wants me to do something. I'm like, I really don't want to do that, right? I'd rather do this. But it's a lot easier for me to be unselfish to those that I love, but it can be a tougher challenge when a stranger asks me to do something. When we're selfless, we begin to let go of our own expectations of getting something in return. Instead of saying, you know, what's in it for me, we begin to say, you know what, it doesn't matter. 
I'm helping someone else. See, if we want to truly leave our mark, we need to be we need to learn to be less selfish and more selfless. So let me share with you some ways that we will know when we are being selfless. When we show empathy to others. See, we need to learn how to be empathetic. And empathy really means to understand that person's feelings, to, to be able to place yourself in, in their situation, what they're going through, their emotions, to be able to, to look at from their perspective, their position, their viewpoint, and understand how they're feeling. See, we rarely take time to do that. We rarely take time to think of other people's feelings, other people's needs, or even how our actions are affecting other people. And so learn to be empathetic to others. We can learn to be more selfless by valuing people over things. In our world's eyes, worth is measured in terms of how much you have, what you possess, what you own. The the more you have, the more you do, the more value you will have. That's what the world values. Demonstrate to others that they are more important than things. When you talk to someone, talk to them. Make them know that they're important. Not on your phone, texting. Right? Give them that gift of your undivided attention. Let them know that you care and that you value them. We can learn to be more selfless by not keeping score. We probably all have that one person in our life where they're always constantly asking us to do something. Hey, can you do this for me? I need help. Will you help me here? Right? And it's always funny the moment that you need some help and you say, okay, I'm... I'm going to call now and have them return the favor. And they're like, I'm sorry, I'm busy, right? We always have that one individual in our life. When you become selfless, you're not keeping track. You're not keeping score of how many times you've done something for someone versus the number of times they've helped you. We're saying, you know what? I'm doing it because I want to help them because of what God has done in my life. God has helped me over and over again. I can help them. We can learn to be more selfless when our first thoughts towards someone is compassion. When our first thought of that person is, is compassion, instead of all the trouble that it's going to cause you and all the work that you're going to have to put in to help them out, We sit there and say, you know what? They need my help, and I can offer it. We can show someone patience as well. If you haven't noticed, we live in an impatient world. There's times I'll go to the fast food restaurant, and I'll go inside, and I'll place my order, and I'll I'll just look at their little TV screens and the orders that are just popping up, and and on those, they'll tell you how long those people have been waiting for their order, and you you watch, and you're like, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, a minute 20, three minutes, and you're going, oh, come on, this is fast food, right? Right? And that's their order, and you know there's like 10 more orders before yours, and you're going, oh, right? I mean, I sit there, and I'll guess, is fast food, you know, is the the drive-through quicker than the inside? And what I've discovered is, no, it's the same. 
Whether you order inside or outside, it's the first order that's taken. It's, that's the order. So you may be the only one inside, but there's a drive through line that's 100 feet long, and you're still waiting. And you get impatient. Why can't they just make a hamburger and some french fries? How hard is that? Right? Learn patience. Right? We get everything by just a click of a button or a swipe of a finger. It's instantaneously at our, at our fingertip. But learn patience. Develop an, a mindset that says, you know what? I'm going to be patient. When you have to wait in line when we go to Cedar Point tomorrow, I'm going to try to learn patience. When they say it's a two-hour, three-hour wait, I'm going to try to learn patience. Pray for me. Patience doesn't come easy. When your server doesn't bring water to you as quick as you'd like, show patience. Put things into perspective. Learn patience. Remember Philippians 2.3 says, consider others better than yourself. Consider the other person. When we begin to consider others as more significant and show them patience and compassion when we let them know that we value them, that we genuinely are concerned about them. We are modeling what Christ did for us. We are modeling to them the love that Christ has for us to them. And when we approach others with that same humble attitude that Christ approached we're modeling it to them. We're making an impact in their lives. So how can we improve others? To improve my serve, I, I need to cultivate a, a thankful heart. I need to cultivate a heart of gratitude. I need to cultivate thankfulness. When I serve others and cultivate a, a thankful heart, I'm, I'm humbly setting aside my pride. When someone asks you if you could help them out, sometimes our first thought is, oh no, what are they going to ask me to do? I hope it's not, and you fill in the blank, right? Right? We all know those things, right? There's many times where we just don't want to do whatever it is that they're asking us to help out, right? For many reasons. Some are good. Some are selfish, Right? Maybe we don't want to get dirty. Maybe we don't think that we're strong enough to move the furniture. Or maybe we think that uh, we're just a little too overqualified for that task that they're asking us to do. I remember when I was in my 20s, I was needing a job. And one of my best friends, his dad owned a courier company. And they knew I was looking for a job. And so they said, come on, we'll, we'll hire you on as a driver. Awesome, thank you. And so I went in, and that first week, I, I just followed around and did a ride-along with, with another driver as they showed me what to do, and I got a feel for the job. And so the second week, I went in, and I asked, I said, all right, what, what am I doing now, and who am I going with? And they said, no, you're going to stay in the office this week. He said, we're getting ready for our, our company's open house, and we need to clean the office, and we need to vacuum, and we need to paint, and we need to clean the bathrooms. I said, okay, whatever you need, I'll do. And, and so um, I'm sitting there, and I'm cleaning, I'm painting, I'm cleaning the bathrooms. And, and so the next week, I come in, third week, and I said, all right, I'm here. Who am I riding with? And my friend said, no, 
you're going to stay in the office. I said, what do you mean? He said, you know, uh, we want you to work in the office. I said, you, you hired me to drive, and you know, I wanted to learn the routes. He said, no, my, my dad came in last week, and he saw you cleaning, and you were in the bathroom, and he said you were painting, and, and where you were painting, you were, you were pressed up against one of the toilets, cleaning and painting around the toilet there. And he said, if that is your work ethic, and if that's how hard you're going to work, you're too valuable to be out on the road. We need you here in the office. See, I was willing to do whatever it took because I was thankful they gave me a job, right? I was just happy, and I wanted to reward them for blessing me, and so I worked as hard as I could, and I set aside my pride, and, you know, I was sitting there. I was pressed up against the toilet and on the floor in pain, but I cleaned the toilets. I knew how clean they were, and so it was okay, right? But I humbled myself. I knew what, I knew what it meant to get dirty, to get a little messy. But I just wanted to bless them because they blessed me. See, pride is the enemy of servanthood. Pride says, you know what? I'm too good for that. I'm too important to do that. My time is better spent doing something else. See, if we truly want to be great in the eyes of God, we need to be servants. We need to set aside our pride And when we set aside our pride, we begin to to cultivate a heart of humility. In James 4, 6, it says, He gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When you look at the life of Jesus as, as your guidance, as your model for what it means to serve others, You'll notice that, that Jesus sets aside his own needs, his, his, his own desires to come and do one of the lowliest of tasks. He washes his disciples' feet, washing them. In John 13, 4, it says, During the meal, Jesus got up. He removed his outer garment and wrapped a towel around his waist. He put some water into a large bowl, and then he began washing his disciples' feet and drying them with the towel he was wearing. See, when I did one of my internships, one of the greatest pieces of advice I got from from the youth pastor I was serving under was don't ask someone to do something that you aren't willing to do yourself. And that has stuck with me through all these years. Don't ask someone to do something that, that you aren't willing to do yourself. And so I've done some, some pretty crazy things with the youth. I've let them do crazy things to me. Because I understood, don't have anyone else do something that you're not willing to do yourself. And here Jesus models that to us. Don't have anyone else do something that you're not willing to do yourself. And Jesus takes on the role of a servant, comes and washes the disciples' stinky, gross, dirty feet because of his love and compassion. See, improving your serve means setting aside our pride and saying, you know what? It doesn't matter my attitude. I'll do anything, anytime, anywhere because of what Jesus has done for me. Because of what God has done for me, I'm willing to do 
anything for him. See, if we want to make an impact in other people's lives, we need to learn to set our pride aside and cultivate that heart of thankfulness to say, thank you, God, for all that you've done for me. See, a proud person depends upon themselves rather than God. They put themselves higher than anyone else. And God says, I oppose the proud. I want you to be humble. And if we want to live a life of greatness, we need to learn to develop humility in our lives. And so how can we develop humility? Well, we we need to learn to help others succeed. There are a few things that attack our ego quite as much as helping another person succeed. To help someone, push someone in front of you to help them get ahead of you, right? Because we all want to be first. But when we help others succeed, we are pushing them, we are launching them ahead of us. Do something for someone that's going to benefit them and not you. Go out of your way to help someone who's in need. Make sure no one else knows about it. You just help them. You don't need the attention. The attention needs to be on them. And then share your struggles with others. It can be tough to be transparent. No one likes to be transparent. Nobody enjoys sharing their mistakes, their failures, their struggles. But it can be such a powerful thing in your life. There's just something that happens when, when you say, you know what, I've made a mistake. I was wrong. Right? When you share your struggles with someone else, it creates a, a vulnerability inside of you. Right? It humbles you. It keeps you humble when you keep telling someone, I'm sorry, I've made a mistake, right? You do not develop a big head when you have to keep going back and back and back and back and back and saying, I was wrong. You were right, right? When you share your own mistakes and how you've dealt with them and how you've recovered from them, you can build greater trust with that person. You can influence that person's life. You can make an impact in their life. And then also cultivate gratitude. A a grateful heart is always a humble heart. Choose to look at each day as a gift from God. Find the blessings in it. Think about all the wonderful people that God has brought into your life that has influenced you, that made a difference in your life. And thank God for them. See, when we are thankful for what God's done in our life, we're going to want to show that appreciation onto other people. And then third, how can we improve our serve? Well, when I serve, I allow others to put the ball in play. And by helping others, I I help put the ball in play for them. And I'll tell you what that means in a moment. Improving your serve means more than just talking about it. It's, It's servanthood in action. Jesus didn't just come and tell us to be servants. He didn't just come and say, I want you to be a servant. He demonstrated it to us. He showed us. He got down and got a towel and and began to wash his disciples' feet. If you ever walk into my office, you'll see a, a frame hanging above my desk. And inside that frame is a towel that I received from from um, our district office when I got my ministry credentials. And that towel is a a reminder of what Jesus did that night, washing his disciples' feet, showing what servanthood looks like. And it's a reminder to me to serve others the way that God has served me. 
It's a reminder to me to serve. 1 John 3, 16, it says, we know what love is because Jesus gave his life for us. And that's why we must give our lives for each other. If we have all we need and see one of our own people in need, we must have pity on that person or else we cannot say we love God. Children, you show love for others by truly helping them and not merely by talking about it. And that's what God wants us to do, to help other people. I want you to think, who in your life needs to be served? Who in your life can, can you serve? Maybe it's a, a friend. Maybe it's a, a parent. Maybe it's a, a sibling, a brother, or a sister, or maybe even a neighbor. But who is it in your life that, that you can serve? See, the most important question I'm going to ask now is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Because love and serving are action words. They're not just mere words. They're action words. To love someone and to serve someone means you have to do something about it. Growing up, once a year, my older sister and I would get together and we would go and and play tennis. It's the only time I would play a year, but I'd look forward to it. It It's one of those times that my older sister and I, we got along great and we We'd do things, but it was just a special thing. Like her and I, that's the only thing. It was like a, a brother-sister fun day, you know? And so we'd go and we'd play tennis, and neither one of us were exceptional at it. We didn't play, this, you know, in, in school or anything like that. But we'd love to just go play and, and just uh, compete against each other. But when it was time for, for us to serve the ball... We weren't very great at that either. You know, we weren't like these tennis greats that would be able to hit the ball 120, 150 miles an hour and just smoke it right past somebody. No, we, we would just gently throw the ball up and hit it across the net, right? Just enough so that the other person could hit the ball back. And so we'd hit the ball back and we'd, we'd play and we'd get some good volume going back and forth and we'd just have a wonderful time. Well, I say that to say this, the, the serve as we know it in sports like tennis or ping pong hasn't always happened as it does today. In the beginning, the serve was to simply put the ball into play so the other side could hit it and you could volley back and forth, just like my sister and I would do. Sports didn't used to be so competitive as it is today. They, they played for fun. Because it's no fun when someone just hits the ball as hard as they could and it flies right past you and you have no chance whatsoever to hit the ball back. See, only in competition or in today's competitive society did the serve become how fast and how hard you can hit it past somebody so that you could hopefully win a point. That wasn't the original idea of the serve. Originally, it was solely to hit the ball in play so the other person could hit the ball back. And that's what I'm talking about. When we come alongside and serve someone, this illustration is beautiful that that we are there to help other people to put the ball in play in their lives. When we serve others, we're putting the ball in play so that they can be successful in life. So that if there is a need, we can help them. See, we should serve others so that they can be successful in doing what God wants them to do. 
We should give our life to others the way that Christ did for us. Christ put the ball in play for us to live a life of greatness. And Jesus says, I want you to come alongside someone else, serve them, and help them to be able to put the ball in play in their life as well. See, we should give our life to others the way Christ did. We need to strive to help others to get ahead in their life. See, we serve others so that their lives may be benefited and enriched. See, our goal isn't to walk over people or use them for our own means. Our goal when we serve others is to help them to get where God wants them to be. See, godliness reveals itself when we promote others over ourselves, when we look out for others' interests. And when we do that, we can be confident that God is looking out for our interests. See, by your life, are you setting other people up for success? Are you serving other people so that they can be more successful? See, when we serve others and they are successful, too many S's, when we serve others and they are successful, they in turn will then be able to help others become successful. See, are you putting the ball in play for them to be successful? This morning, let's look at our growth work as we close. I said, be faithful with the small things. See, faithfulness is the life of a servant. Jesus was faithful in all that he did as he served. And he wants us to be faithful in all that we do. Even the small things, the things that no one else will see. Be faithful in those things. The key to be trusted with more from God is to be faithful what he's already given you. And so whether it's big or small, whether someone doesn't see it at all, makes no difference whatsoever. Being faithful with what God is giving you is all that matters. Keep serving those that God puts in your place. Be faithful. And then number two, intentionally look for opportunities to serve other people. Look for opportunities to serve others. Be intentional about it. Keep your eyes and ears open. No, hardly people will come up and say, you know what, I really need help. Will you do this for me? We have to be intentional as, as we walk with them, as we do life together with others, as we talk and keep your eyes open, keep your, keep your ears open to see the needs. Be intentional in the way that you serve others. Looking to help people who can in no way benefit you is truly motivated out of love and out of a servant's heart. There was nothing that we could do that would help God. And God sent his son, Jesus, to come to this earth for us. God served us. Couldn't help God at all. And God says, model what I've done. Serve others. Be intentional. Look for opportunities to serve other people. And then finally, keep asking, how can I serve? Never stop serving others. Whether you're a young te teenager or, or a slightly older adult, always ask, how can I serve? You're never too young and you're never too old to serve.
See, keep an attitude of a servant heart, and God will keep moving you closer and closer to him and to his ultimate purpose. How are you being used at work? How are you serving others at work? How are you serving others in your neighborhood? How are you serving others here at Woodland? If you aren't serving here at Woodland, I want to encourage you to go through our Discovering Woodland uh, courses in this fall when they start back up. Those courses are designed to help you grow in your faith and discover your unique strengths and, and giftings that God has given you. And when you go through those, you'll, you'll discover how God has uniquely shaped you to serve other people. And you'll be able to find ministries that fit those unique sets of skills and talents. And we'll help point you to an area of ministry that you can serve in. But never stop asking, how can I serve? There's always a place that needs another body, that needs another person. There's always another individual that needs another person to come alongside them and help them. So keep asking, how can I serve? How can I serve? Let's pray this morning. God, as we continue to look at living a life of greatness, God, you demonstrated that to us by sending your son Jesus to serve. You modeled what servanthood looks like as Jesus got down and began to wash his disciples' feet. He modeled how important we are to you. And God, you said, serve others the way that I've served you. And so God, I pray that this morning that God, we will begin to look at others and consider others as more significant than our own lives. God, that we'll look at others and see them the way that you see them. God, as important, as valuable, as special. And God, that we will begin to serve others and become less selfish. God, help us to cultivate a heart of thankfulness. God, where we set aside our pride, where nothing is, is too, too above us or too below us. And God, that we will serve gladly helping others because we're thankful for what you've done in our lives. And God, as we serve, I ask that you would, you would bring along people in our lives that need our help that we would be able to help them to be able to put the ball in play in their life. God, so that they would be able to, to grow and be able to be successful in life, that, God, they will be able to do what you've called them to do. And so, God, I pray, help us, God, to, to search and look for others. And, God, that we would be faithful in serving God, whether it's big or small, whether... Someone sees it or someone doesn't see it. It's not the point. We're serving because of you. And so help us to be faithful in all things. God, intentionally looking, God, for others to serve and never giving up. Never saying that I've done all that I could or I've done enough that we'll always be looking to help other people and serve others. And God, once again, we say thank you. 
Thank you for loving us and demonstrating and modeling what it means to serve by coming and dying on a cross for us so that we could have a relationship with you and our sins forgiven. And if you're here this morning and you haven't crossed that line of faith and invited Christ into your life and asked for forgiveness of your sins, and you want to this morning, will you just pray this prayer along with me? You don't have to pray it out loud, but just pray along with me and say, Jesus, I thank you for demonstrating your love for me by dying on a cross for me. And God, though I don't understand everything, I do understand that I need you in my life today. And I ask that you would come and forgive me of all my mistakes, all my failures. God, I'm being transparent with you right now because you know everything. And I ask that you would just forgive me. God, help me to live for you each day of my life. God, make me a new person today. And help me to live each day for you and experience, God, all that you have for me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.